Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. All right. It's been a while, but we are back. Welcome to another episode of Mixed Company Podcast. There is a lot, a lot, a lot that has transpired since our last episode uh, in April. Um, April? It was April. Um, it was April. And not only was it April, but I, I think it's even worth us, us kind of being transparent with like what's gone on. Um, and we didn't rehearse this part. So Sim, I'm just throwing shit at you. But in the past couple of months, you know, starting when we started the podcast, we started the podcast from the perspective of folks who were not a part of leadership, um, looking at the the state of the um, industry from the perspective of the bottom up. Um, And in the last, whenever April was, two and a half months since last time we recorded, um, I, 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 I don't think that that's our perspective anymore from from either of us. And I, I want to be transparent about that, that technically we're n- neither of us are looking at the industry from the bottom up anymore. There's we've, we've kind of grown into beautifully, I would say, grown and evolved into positions where where we actually are the people saying, but from a leadership perspective. <laughs> um from a leadership perspective we're we're able to take a look at the uh industry and so transparently that's something we have to work on um kudos to us but also this sparks a a a moment of rebranding that i think we we kind of have to kind of take a look at friend a lot has happened i mean it's it's a, a lot has happened uh and i would say we're in a moment of proving points, if you will, uh, and taking a lot of the theories that we talked about on this podcast over the last five, five years. Yeah. You want to know something? That's a really good point. We are our own best case studies because we, we've talked a lot of shit over the years <laughs> and it's all been theory. But I think now we can say it's practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're putting we're putting our theories into practice, which um yeah, kudos to us. I, I would also say it's been a, a beautifully messy process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the scars and the war stories and the livers to, to, to prove it. <laughs> so, and the heartburn. And the heartburn. I can't. I know we started this podcast so that we didn't have to drink as much, but I think I'm at the point now where I can't even drink as much, even if I wanted to. Yeah. Shout out to Slack. Is that is that my Slack? I don't have Slack. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody needs you. Some from a from a leadership perspective, somebody needs you right now. <laughs> you're, but I thought I turned off all my Slack. But you're right. Um, all good. All good. All good. We're coming back to you guys. Like so. So I mean, no need to apologize, and and I refuse to apologize for taking space. Uh, 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 to kind of collect ourselves and to grow. But I will say thank you for your patience uh, on, on waiting on our next episode. Um, we've, we haven't missed a lot in our own life experiences, but we've missed talking a lot about all of the, all of the things that have transpired over the last couple of months on the show. So we're just going to kind of dive into it. Um, yes, this episode is definitely a proof of life 
call. We are still here. The podcast still exists. Um, <laughs> and honestly, we miss talking to you guys. We miss talking to people. And and so there's just there's a lot of shit to say. So quite a bit of shit to say. Um, damn, I didn't even realize it's been uh, two and a half months or however long that is because retrograde happened and. That's just just through my whole life into shambles. It did. It it did. Retrograde happened. I've 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 moved apartments. No longer. I the end of an era has come up. Casa de Kai, which we've mentioned on this show countless times, is 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 Casa de No More. Um, <laughs> but you know, your girl has upgraded to a really nice Brooklyn um, uh, uh, washer dryer and dishwasher amenity. Uh, space and I know for those of you that own things like real property and homes and you have kids and like it doesn't sound like much but when when you when you live in the heart of Brooklyn and you're so used to just you know the regular simple things like not having to wash your own j- dishes just makes you feel like an episode out of Dynasty. Uh, okay. Shout out to Dominique Devereaux. I will say I've, I've had a dishwasher and a washer dryer for a minute and it it changes your life. It did. It did. I felt different. I felt wait, different. Wait till you have to travel and you're like, oh, damn, this shit is in the, in the hamper. I just watch it. <laughs> I just watch it. I, I, am, I am actively waiting on that moment. So once it happens, I will, I will tell you all about it. Um, we've both started new roles um, uh, at leadership levels. Congrats to you, Sim. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we talked about that on the show, but congrats to you. Um, and yeah, we're kind of just here, like looking at the world quite differently, um, where, uh, uh, COVID did not get a chance to, um, take us completely out. Um, there has definitely been some, some silver lining in the, in the aftermath for sure. Yeah. Uh, I I keep thinking about the conversation we had a few, uh, days ago about all the things that we survived and now we've, <laughs> we've survived. oh my gosh that is true that in itself could be its own episode we were literally talking about how as millennials like we really don't sit back and think about all of the things that we've survived in our lives um like we like for starters we 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 survived infancy in the Reagan era, <laughs> like if the Reagan era and all of the things that come along with it, including the war on drugs um, slash the crack epidemic didn't take you out, like th- there's something there. We, we survived the 90s. And, you know, remember when, you know, you're the, the, the president of the free world um, having inappropriate relations with interns was the most atrocious thing that your president could do remember that remember when that's what we focused on as opposed to you know the president of the free world is literally just trying to kill everybody um and i say that i say that with a laugh not because i find it funny but because you literally have to laugh to keep from crying (laughs) guys like we we've lived through a lot we've lived through several recessions we've lived through um the cancellation of UPN and all of the shows on UPN. <laughs> uh, we've also we've also made it through uh, uh, 9-11 and that and that's like real shit. Like as we were talking about it, like folks, like we really didn't know what was going to drop out of the sky and land on all of us like like a crazy ass video game uh, only only to make it to our 30s 
and have to fight through a pandemic uh, uh, and hope that the this this first round of vaccination um, that we've all got is is as beneficial as as they say it is with limited side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the episode on the daily a few days ago about the Delta strain. Um, like <laughs> Earth, Earth is over us, and she keeps telling us to go home. <laughs> Earth is trying to like the Earth is so sick of us. The Earth is really just trying to end it all, and like I, I'm laughing because the more I watch the news, the more I realize like, oh, we're not gonna be here forever, and it could literally be today or any day. But you know, anyway. Might as well record another episode. We might as well record another episode while we have a chance. Who is going to tell the future post-pandemic, post-apocalyptic people how we survived the first uh, the, the the first 30 years of the new millennium? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So speaking of surviving uh the 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 well, first two decades of the new millennium, um, I think this is a great transition into our favorite dope shit and ain't shit. And let me tell y'all, it's a lot of dope shit and it's a lot of ain't shit. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happened in the last three months besides like the world just keeps on giving us news. Um, but there's a lot of things happen- happening. So Sim, I'll let you kick it off with your your dope shit because I think that'll start us on a, on, a, on a fun note. Yeah, so my dope shit is what you shared with me a little while ago, um, Juvenile. Manny Fresh and Mia X. And if you don't know who those three people are, um, that's actually very it's 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 likely that some of you don't know who uh the the iconic rapper juvenile who is behind uh, yes back that ass up. Classic, a, a gem, a, classic. a treasure, a treasure. Uh, Manny <laughs> Fresh, who was the producer of that track. Uh mm. and Mia X, who probably is the, the least known of the three, but also the most uh, impactful, I would suggest yeah. of all. Yes. Yeah. Like the bling bling era was, was one that shall not be forgotten. <laughs> and so these are the people who were uh, at the core of it. But I say all of that to say uh, the dating app uh, BLK, which is for <laughs> singles uh, decided to release an ad slash PSA uh, for those who are on their app looking to hook up. And they engaged Juvenile Manny Fresh and Mia X to remix the iconic 1998 party anthem. Amen. Uh, yep. And the name of the uh, uh, the remix is Vax That Thing Up. And they proceed throughout this song to talk about getting Vax before you... Uh, jump into the sack, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, this is I, I'm I'm still a little speechless after watching it because normally when brands do things like this, it's a little appalling. It's and and I think that's the brilliance of it because this could have went any way. Like I think this is what we mean when 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 we talk about thinking critically about whether or not your brand has space to say something. Mm-hmm. If if Match.com did this, oh, God, we'd be in an uproar. I would have flipped this computer. That's not. <laughs> while, I rep, while I respect you may have been around for the 99s and the 2000s, I do not believe that you put on for the 99-2000s. Although Black or BLK, the dating app, they might actually be putting on for the 99-2000s. And that is why a collaboration of such makes all the sense. Yes. 
Agreed. Um, and so if you have not seen or heard this track, I I advise you to go and find it. Um, Mia X uh, takes over Little Wayne's spot on the song, and it's, it's pretty amazing. And uh, I'm here for I'm here for all of it. So before you um, you know share that. Uh, wax thing go get vexed up um treats are open and, treats are um, open most of the I, I, i'm not hanging out with people who are not vaccinated <laughs> and i know i know there are a lot of people that are mad that folks are saying that i i mean i mean if nothing if like of all of the things that the the pandemic continues to give us because it's not over um uh uh quite frankly, a new level of caste system has now oh, yeah. unveiled itself between the vaxxed and the not vaxxed. Well, here's here's the thing. I just remember around a little bit, a little more than a year ago, uh, you and I were having a conversation and I was definitely sick and you were asking me, what am I going to do? And I was literally considering how I was going to throw myself down the steps and down not one. Uh, yeah, right. I remember <laughs> if, this if was a real So I'm in the street and saying, I, I, I've, I've drawn a line in the sand. <laughs> oh my God. And you can't play over here unless you're, you're vaccinated. Yeah, no, you absolutely cannot. Um, but shout out to them. You know, I, I say it in jest, but I also say it from a, from like an educational culture perspective Back that, back that ass up, back that thing up, just depending on who you are and how vulgar you like to be, really was a game changer for music, but also culturally for how um, a lot of people who identified as a have not started to look at what, what does it mean to acquire wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about bling bling as like a joke, but the reality is a lot of a lot of folks didn't even consider that they could be on a yacht or buy a watch or wear Gucci or have earrings because they did not feel that they had permission to 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 be a part of um, a luxurious or to live a luxurious lifestyle. And as as trifling as hip hop music can be sometimes, and is is also how much I love it. And you know that back that ass up really what really brought in that like the generation of marketers that we have today the millennial markers that exist today were likely raised on uh some aspect of back that ass up so to see it come back um in a more positive light less misogynistic light to to try to help uh uh people survive this pandemic Juvenile and Manny Fresh and Mia X are doing the damn thing. Thank you for trying to keep folk alive. Yes. Yes. Girl, you can be a queen after quarantine. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. You can be my pretty young thing. I can be an OG. Yes. <laughs> but we have to be here and present and alive to do it. And so I appreciate the humor. I appreciate the cultural context. And I appreciate the messenger. Um I will share. I will share some ain't shit because I'd like to keep things balanced um, and, and open and honest, and and then I'll share a dope shit. Um, so I'll start with. Uh, um, I'll start with an article that came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe this is last week from Adweek. Um, I saw this in my my email uh, where the title was "Why Have Forty Nine Agencies Dropped Their DEI Pledges." Um, advocacy group, three A's, crowds, 
crowd, uh, the three is a crowd discusses challenges in fighting for racial equality. Now I won't read through the whole thing because I think that the reality is we talked about this last year. We, we knew we would get here. Nobody's, I don't think anyone's surprised. And I also think that's why we're not really talking about it because yes, uh, people made promises, people broke promises, uh, water's wet, water's wet, the sky is up, uh, the pandemic's still going on, like, whatever, right? But I think it is important for us to, um, as we we started this year, and what we talked about last year, and we continued this year with what accountability is supposed to look like, I do appreciate that there is an article actually um, maybe not calling it out, but but reporting on the fact that there's a reason you're not hearing as much uproar from certain people, places, and institutions about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's because I, I believe many people, um, they've gone back to sleep. They're, you know, everybody's not as woke as they were last, last July. Um, and basically, uh, it says one year later, the LA-based Black creative community uh, sharing its lessons and challenges in affecting change with Adlan. Um, they talk about how uh, the, the uh, Three's a Crowd um, launched the pledge um, and that there were 172 people from 71 different agencies that signed up. Um, and, and as of this year, uh, 22 organizations, Juneteenth, because that is... That is now the tent pole for uh, advertising commitment, uh, Juneteenth. 22 organizations, 20 of which are ad, agency to, ad agencies to production houses, and two holding companies are currently committed to the pledge. Um, so how did these numbers go from 71 to less than half? Um, I'm sure that we could tell you a whole list of stories as to how, um, but and, and it will be full of shade uh, and, and, and side-eyeing, but... I appreciate that um, the team from Three is a, a crowd. Um, they cite some of the things that we don't talk about, right? Sometimes when we make pledges, when the pledges come from the people that are not at the top, uh, that are not within the leadership, it's really hard to hold people accountable. So while you have the, you may have the best intentions as a as an account director or a group creative director, um, if you are quite honestly not, uh, if you don't have access to a PNL that you manage or a budget that you maintain uh, or, I don't know, best friends with whoever is in finance, it's really hard um, to measure financial or, or to, to hold tightly to financial commitments. Um, it's also very hard to hold, to stay close to policy commitments um, if, if, if you don't have the support of, of leadership. And so there were many, um, they cite many, uh, uh, I don't know if they use the word mid-level, but let's say not leadership level people that signed the actual um, pledge. Um, they also uh, they also said pledge, pledge takers also got swept up in the anti-racist sentiment of last summer, but tangible evidence, uh, sort of tangible efforts fizzled out quickly. Um, Creating action around anti-racist practices felt like a lot of work that many agencies either weren't equipped for or interested in. Um, and I think that's a good way to put it, weren't equipped for. Um, on this show, we've been hard, I think, on people by really leaning heavily on the 
not interested in. And, and I don't think that we lied about that. But there's also like, you have to be equipped to make change, whether it's in your personal life, your professional life, or as an organization. You need resources, like, like manpower resources, as well as financial resources backed to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and, and if you just think it's about changing beha- uh, uh, mindsets and behaviors, it's not. It's about doing actual work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is important that we're, we're still talking about that. D- do I think that that means that all of these agencies are racist? No. Do I think that it still means that these agencies with people who may not necessarily um who do not believe themselves or, or maybe who believe themselves to be anti-racist um, are still perpetuating racist policies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like I, and, I, and I think that's the fair way to put it. Um, even, even in my role coming in as um, a head of DEI at um, a major holding company, I, I hold it, I'm very committed to not necessarily focusing on just trying to change people's sentiments, but changing the way in which we work, changing our ways of working, our approach to work, uh, changing the the physical constraints and the, the, I don't know if physical is the best word, but changing the constraints that keep us in the cycle of, of race, of, of subtle racism and, and classism and sexism that we don't see because that's just the way that's just the way uh, 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 capitalism works. Mm. Um, and everybody doesn't look at it that way because you get so swept up in like the emotion of it that that I think it's easy to forget. You have to be practical about it as well. I mean, I think even when you mentioned capitalism uh, and you say, well, all of these agencies aren't racist, but I think when when capitalism becomes a part of the conversation that racism is inherently sort of baked into the situation. So, you know, when we, when we talk about this situation or we talk about these issues, it is uncomfortable for a lot of people. And they don't want to necessarily admit to how they can be complacent or, or um, uh, help to uphold racist systems and institutions because it's just uncomfortable and who who wants to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation but ultimately at the end of the day if you want shit to change if you're really committed to to change then you you got to be a little uncomfortable and and i think this is the reality that if you're if if you're within the voice within the range of my voice right now you have privilege of some of some sort right so there are going to be situations, even if you're black, that are that were, are going to require you to be somewhat uncomfortable in order to make this world, this city, your agency, whatever the fuck, better for someone else. And so get used to it. <laughs> and then the other thing is, too, is like when you start talking about being equipped, I just think ultimately at the end of the day, advertising, marketing, tech, all of this shit um the amount of money that is made the amount of money that is spent allocate some of that shit to an investment this is an investment if you yeah. do not invest in changing your infrastructure and your culture you will be obsolete and when it happens i will laugh 
I will, I will, I will do a little bit of a a, a joke. <laughs> uh, I mean, I similarly to I think when like when you first see the headline, you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's, at th- at this point, especially when it comes to agencies, I I have very little sympathy because it is our job to stay on top of culture, right. and this has been such a an extreme part of the culture for the last decade. No. We've talked and beyond. Well, it's and never beyond. actually beyond. gone away. Beyond, right. But but we can look at specifically like Black Lives Matter and that being a part of the cultural lexicon. Right. Since 2016. 16, right? Or and before, so, yeah. Maybe before, right? So 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 for people to exist in these spaces and call themselves cultural experts and experts on social media and ignore all of these calls to actions that have been put out there by one of the most impactful groups uh, culturally in the world, Black people. Uh, <laughs> at this point, if you fail, I think it's funny. Yeah. Because you had every opportunity to avoid it. So Fair. all people who who back, who reneged on <laughs> on their, their pledge I I understand the constraints, but I also understand excuses. And all of the constraints are excuses, especially when you work in advertising, because we sell solutions. So how are you sitting up here with with excuses, but you can sit in front of your client and sell the most complex shit and and tell them that you're going to produce it. But when it comes to something as simple as investing in infrastructure, uh, because DEI is now part of your infrastructure, if you didn't know, you know, uh, if you fail, I think it's cute and funny. And, and, and I mean, to the point of failing, like for me, right. For, from, from where, from my purview these days, mm-hmm. the only way you can fail is if you set yourself up to yeah. fail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like only, only you can gauge like in this conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion, only you can really design your own benchmark. So you actually get to set the terms or if we're speaking advertising, you get to set the assumptions yeah. of what progress and growth looks like. Set the goal, then meet the goal. But here's here's what I've seen in the last year. Um, earlier in the year, <laughs> more so than most recently, right? You've got, you've got, we've got a lot of leaders in this industry that believe that the way to fix diversity is to come out with a big, huge, shiny object object program, and we're just gonna train the 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 we're just gonna train the pain away, guys. We're just gonna what? How do we train more of our black uh, people? How do how how do we give them the mentorship? And it's like, guys, is that what you needed? Is that all? Is that is that genuinely how you believe that you got to where you were? Of course it's, it's not. It's 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 safe. And 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 when we hold ourselves to like these ridiculous ideas that that there's not a simple answer, it's kind of like, oh, you want to fail. You yeah. want to build a dinosaur to knock down a branch off of a tree. You don't need to do that. You can actually just go get a saw yeah. to fix the problem. You actually could just listen to the things that the people are saying and yeah. put them into power. But candidly, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of leaders in this industry, none that I work with right now, I'll go ahead and say that, um, 
But I've seen a lot of leaders in this industry that have leaned, that have developed their strategies off the backs of uh, Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. off the backs of the call to change uh, from 600 and rising last year uh, without actually taking the time to understand the people that work within your organization, the mm -hmm. clients that contribute to your organization, and actually understanding how to how to build a strategy that is more, that is more inclusive of their needs and mm -hmm. less inclusive of their own needs for PR and big splashy uh, uh, headlines. Right. right, that is how you set yourself up for failure. How you set yourself up for fear is, like I said, creating your own assumptions putting that into a strategy for your own goddamn self and then coming out with it on the back end and saying, this is what we set out to do. This is what we've completed. And here is how, here is where we have left to go the same as you would with a client. Yeah. So if you're trying to do this for PR, you're going to fail, honey, you're going to fail. You, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And you're going to have mad turnover. If I you're mean, going to win. You're going to do it strategically and practically. I mean, even, even if they're doing it for PR, I think you can still win if if you're if you're strategic about it. But what I what I've noticed with some of the leaders in these spaces is they don't they want to do what's comfortable and what's safe for them uh, and what's safe safe for. Actually, I'm gonna reframe this. There are a lot of people who want who say that they want the equality and the equity but don't want to offend the people who are creating the inequities within the space. Ooh, we're going to talk about that later. And and I feel like I they say this in church, like you can't serve two masters. You can't so serve you, two masters. <laughs> you can't serve the racist. You can't serve the sexist. You can't serve the misogynist. You can't serve the homophobes. You can't serve the ableist and also serve the people who are suffering yep. from the harm that they cause. And so a lot of the safety, it's, it's some of it is, is their fear. Some of it is their own discomfort, but a lot of it is like, we don't, we don't want the bad people to feel bad. Right. <laughs> and, and ultimately like, I'll never get the moment where you were like, sometimes you need to sit in your filth. And I think we're in a space where there are people who need to sit in their filth not because not not just in vain but because you need to understand how you've caused harm and if you don't understand how you've caused harm even on the most like micro level then we're not going to get to change and if mm -hmm. if change is what you want then y'all just gonna have to sit in y'all fail so as y'all fail uh the rest of this year because this is only the beginning more y'all gonna get canceled um yeah. or not even canceled just called out right so as as more of you get called out, i'm gonna chuckle um, because the answers are right in front of your face. They're your employees. And if you're talking to them and treating them the way that they're asking to be treated, then you really got nothing to worry about. You really don't. Uh, so we'll put a pin in, in that one because um, it's actually going to come up. We're going to talk a little bit about Nicole Hannah-Jones in a couple minutes. Um, but I will balance out this dope shit and ain't shit with my own dope shit um, and give a special shout out to Ryan Reynolds and um, and uh, Maximum Effort as they continue to crush it with these Match.com um, campaigns. And the latest campaign is the Get Back to Love campaign that had me fall out of my chair the other day. 
Um, because basically Ryan Reynolds and the Maximum Effort team are letting us know, hey, y'all, we got a whole bunch of wedding singers out here that need to get back to work. And they can really only get back to work if y'all are loving up on each other and getting and 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 getting engaged and getting married. Um, and the best way to do that, as far as they're concerned, is by signing up for uh, the dating service with match.com. Um, I know you guys remember uh, Maximum Effort kind of sent us with their 2020 uh, in the form of, of the devil uh, and uh, or 2020 and, and Satan dating. Uh, and that's what caused us the misery that was 2020. Um, but now they're taking a different approach and creating jingles very reminiscent of early 90s uh, or late 80s, early 90s uh, rock pop. Um, and really just encouraging y'all to love up on each other, uh, of course, with consent. Um, rub up and love up on each other with consent um, to, to, to find your person so that you can get married so that they can get paid. Uh, particularly, uh, the singers remind the audiences we don't get paid if no lung song, if no love songs are played. And I know that's right. Somebody's got to sing Big Luther and Little Luther down the aisle. Somebody's got to sing uh, Wind Beneath My Wings. Uh, somebody's got to sing uh, uh, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. And we can't do that if we're not going to weddings. Now, I will say, please don't invite me to your wedding. I am. Not, I do not feel financially comfortable to be uh, shelling out hundreds of dollars on a whole bunch of wedding gifts because um, some of y'all were touching and loving on each other um, with consent in 2020. And there are lots of post-pandemic babies uh, that I have been contributing to uh, their, their, their shower, or what is it, baby shower uh, registries. But I do encourage everybody to go to match.com or, 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 or black or BLK find your person, find your love, uh, whoever he, she, they are. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I'm enjoying seeing love and humor on TV these days. Agreed. I, I haven't seen it, but I, uh, Oh, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. The thing about working is I don't be seeing shit. <laughs> Unless you don't have time no more. <laughs> unless y'all send it to me, you got to put it in the group chat. It came up on, um, I don't know, streaming something and it came up and I fell out of my chair. So uh, best best of continued efforts for maximum effort. Um, so now we can go ahead and transition into our hot topics. There are quite a few that are going on. Um, let's start off with the Summer Olympics. You know, it was postponed from July 2020. It's about to kick off this year. And of course, it's not kicking off without um, a roller coaster of, of, of feelings, especially for those who uh, are rooting for Black women. Um, there were a number of, of, of Black women who um, had initially qualified for the Olympics during the Olympic trials in many different games, including um, track and fields, swimming, gymnastics, and I think a couple others. Um, num namely, one, Miss Shakari Richardson. That's it, right? You know, my computer is not coming on as quickly as I wanted to. Uh, yes, Shakari Richardson, track sensation. Uh, colorful nails, colorful hair, very reminiscent 
of Flojo. For those of y'all that were in the track and field during the prime of track and fields in the in the uh, late eighties and nineties, um, Sis came through and became famous once um, she qualified uh, with the fastest time, I believe the fastest women's time um, during her 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 qualifying race. Um, and as she won the race and continued to run into her grandmother's arms, and she, I know she reminded many of us of our little cousins, our little sisters, our little sisters, cousins, neighbors, uh, god niece. Um, and we loved her. We loved her, her confidence, namely, as she reminded us that she, she is that girl. Um, and for those of you that are, are not familiar, when we say, I am that girl, it is, that is, you know, colloquially, that's how we step into our place. Mm-hmm. I would refer to myself also as that girl. So mm-hmm. try me if you want to. Um, but like it was it was just very nice to see someone who I felt represented me, represented uh the 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 young girls that I know win the way she did during the trials. Uh agreed. And I think, you know, there was you know, we're also talking about Nicole in 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 a bit, but I think there's a side conversation that's been happening uh about you know, her version of representation. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we, when Black people step onto national or global stages, there's an expectation of how they should look and how they should should dress and and speak. And I think she's helping to um, show all the versions of Blackness uh, and ensure that all of the versions of, of, all of these versions of Blackness, even the ones that don't, uh, align with with the white gaze, if you will, um, are celebrated in the same way that those who are are, are seen as or quote unquote respectable are celebrated as well. And there was a a, a tweet or or Instagram post that I saw where it was like, make sure you celebrate the the girls with the orange hair and the long nails. And this is this is a this is about that. And I've talked about this on the show before, having a coworker uh, who is black and a supervisor who was black and the supervisor chastised her for for dyeing her hair blonde because she felt like it was unprofessional so to see shikari out on the track with uh her hair orange one day and then the next day (laughs) it's a whole different is on some real shit as a dude it's kind of empowering it's, it's it's reaffirming like you can show the fuck up how you want to show up and be great and i think more black girls particularly need to see that to know that how they look does not affect their abilities and their greatness yep i'm not gonna all lives matter this but i think it's important specific especially for black girls but i do think there's something there like the fact that you saw validation in that and that there are other people that will find validation in what she represents. I think coming at it from a positive angle, if you've been paying attention to the news, you may be uh, aware now that unfortunately, um, although she did qualify, although uh, she did, uh, uh, she was a gold medal favorite in the women's 100 meters race, Shakari ended up testing uh, uh, positive for marijuana in her system during a, a drug test uh, or substance test, rather. Um, and because of that, she has been disqualified uh, from participating in the Olympics, 
period. So that is in the women's 100 meter race, as well as in the um, um, what, in the relay race. And that's got a lot of people pissed off. Um, so I want to, I want I'll, I'll start this way. I'll say how I feel about it. Um, I think it's okay to rep to represent losses as well, mm. to represent losses as like from an adult standpoint, right? Mm. Um, when we look at social media, we see, we always see people posting about their, them in their light, even the filter. I got to get my good light. I got to get my good angles. And while, as Shakari describes it, in the midst of her mourning, in the midst of a very, um, uh, a, a very tragic moment, you know, she had recently found out that her biological mother had passed away, and she had actually found out as she was being in, interviewed by a reporter, as opposed to it coming from someone with love. Um, she said she decided to to I believe it was take an um, an edible, a cannabis edible. And that's how she ended up. That's how she ended up testing positive. Yeah. Here's the thing. It, it was legal when she did it. Mm -hmm. The challenge. So, so I don't think she did anything wrong in the grand sense of life. Right. This is why I don't think that a lot of the backlash that she's getting after she's done so much already is warranted. The, the challenges, though, I also think it's important to represent what it's like to take an L that you know you can expect. Mm. She is a winner. She still is that girl. But she made a choice. She made a decision to do something that was legal by law, but was also against the policy and the rules for being a part of the U.S. Olympic team. Right. right? Whether or not we agree that that was a good policy or not, which I don't think it is, it still was the policy, a policy that you are constantly made aware of as you are continuing on this journey. Shout out to my cousin, Kurt, two-time Olympian for the Panamanian uh, team, um, and I think the 400-meter hurdles or something like that. Um, you know that you're going to be tested. And so, and so, she, so she became disqualified for this. And so while all of us were really excited to watch her run and cheer her on, um, I also think it is important for her to take this L based on the policy that she was aware of um, because she knew what was up, but also use this as motivation to do better moving forward. I think it's okay to see people slip. I won't say she fell, but to see people slip and I also think it's even more important to watch how she comes back from this. But I don't think that that I don't think that the calls to well, let just let her run, let her want run because we love her. Sure, mm -hmm. but what if it was? I mean, may we never forget Ryan Lochte. What if it was Ryan Lochte that did some bullshit like this, y'all? We would have been very upset, and we we would have said he should have sat his ass out. Yeah, I mean, everybody's I, bringing up Michael Phelps. I believe when Michael Phelps got uh, caught with paraphernalia, it was not during the Olympic time, but also he was suspended. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a big lesson in this Shakari Richard, Richardson thing, but I still believe she is that girl. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few different lessons that are happening. One is sometimes it's situations like these that spark change. Uh, because based off of this, I think that the 
the powers that be will reevaluate or, or evaluate that rule when it comes to THC. Because at this point, it's legal in X amount of states. Including the uh, state she took it. It's including the state she took it in uh, for recreational and medical medical use. It's not a performance enhancing drug. And so without this situation, would that rule uh, come under this level of scrutiny? Probably not. Right. Uh, I think the other thing about the situation that is, or that was moving to me was the video that came out from LSU track yes. and field with all of the other women, with all of the women who have been alumni who were on that team throughout the years, uh, basically rallying around her. And I think, you know, oftentimes, especially when we talk about the Black target, um, that is one of the things that, especially now working on a lot of work that centers Black people, that I enjoy because it's a just a, a rich representation of what Black culture is. Mm-hmm. We rally around people in the good times, and we also do it in the worst of times. And un- unfortunately, sometimes it's the worst shit that brings us together in the best ways. Um, so I, I agree with you. Like, we can't change the rules just because, you know, we want to see her win. But now the rules will more than likely change because she she took this L. Yeah, and 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 I and I recognize there are a lot of people like now nah, we got to boy, boycott the Olympics and Woody mm-hmm. Woop. My concern is, huh? That's not strategy. That's not strategy. But my concern is, yes, Shakari in recent weeks has become the star. Mm-hmm. of the of of the the rallying around black women um leading the United States in in this year's Olympics but y'all there are so many other other black women let alone other black people who are who qualified who passed their drug tests and who need our support yeah. as they as they um pursue this this experience especially since i think i read uh in one of my cnn alerts this morning um what is it japan is on uh, a state is in a state of emergency so ain't nobody going actually to the olympics to watch everybody got to watch on tv (laughs) we all we we all watching from home anyway um i think it's i think it's going to be really important for all of us um, to support the women that are there. I even think it's going to be important for Shakari to support her fellow USA uh, team, USA teammates. Yeah. And and I did see that, you know, she was throwing some shade back and forth um, with some folks who are like, you know, she's not the only black woman on the team. Um, But I think, I think it is, you know, I think she womaned up well in the first couple of steps. And I think maybe, maybe her ego might be getting to her a little bit. But I think it's going to be important, even though she has to sit out to support your teammates, because the real shit is, as as salty as you might be, sis, you're great. You know you coming back. Awesome. You know you coming back. The she- relays are coming up. You're like you're going to win. You're still you're suspended for a month, yeah. and collectively, after a year like we've had, I think it's really important to support our athletes at the at the Olympics. Also, let's let's keep this in context. 
She is 21 years old. Child. <laughs> I'm so happy none of y'all knew me at 21 years old, hanging out of a car with a red cup in my hand, hair holding my, somebody holding my hair up, <laughs> you know, as I'm screaming out the car. Like, you make mistakes. Years. You got your whole life. And so, I mean, I think it, it's it, it's a human story. And and we just need to keep in mind it's it's a human story. Uh, and we can't change the rules for her, but because of her, the rules will more than likely change. That will probably be the thing that is not is no longer banned, a banned substance uh, for track and U.S. track and field. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a dynamic story because it has many highs and has many lows, and I think there's something that everybody can learn from it. Um, and you're right, she she's already won because it ain't gonna stop her money. I, I think I think the I love Shakari. I'm gonna support her. I'm gonna wear my hoops and I'm gonna get my nails done. And I've been in I've been in consults with the beautician about a new wig, my my damn self. Um, but I also I I what I what I wish to see from her. What what I wish I would have seen from myself at 21. Because I if y'all don't think I'm mature now, I wasn't mature then either. Um, but what I would have wished from my own self at 21, even going through times like that is like, what does it look like to stand in your greatness? Mm. I'm great with or without the games. I'm great with or without the team. And because of that, I'm, I'm, I don't need to be mad at anything. I fucked up. I had a moment that I fucked up. And when I come back, I'm going to smash the fuck out of this track and field. And 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 then that's what we'll be talking about. So I, I I'd like to see her own that, and I'd like to see her support her team, and I'd like to see the entire United States support all of the people, um, and especially the black women, uh, and the uh, and the women of color that are participating in this year's games. Yeah, I mean, and before we wrap on this, uh, yeah, and shout out to Allison Felix because I feel like that's one of the stories yep. that kind of got overshadowed, like. Allison Felix has been killing it. This is like her sixth, uh, she's a six-time Olympic gold medalist. Yep. And just her backstory as a mother, as a woman athlete, Nike trying to screw her over, basically, Haters. when she got pregnant. Her bounce back is probably... Her bounce back and her bounce back, because sna- she snatched. Yeah, like her, her, her bounce back is, is definitely one of Put her in your ads. Yeah. <laughs> like she, like she has proven herself uh, to stand up to. Like I think there's just so many dope stories of black athletes who are killing it in the Olympics right now. Yeah, Shikari is one of them, and and I think her story has you know a lot of learning lessons, but just the amount there's, of people who are just talent. We got some real talent. We got some real talent. Um. Let me move on to the next topic. We've got Nicole Hannah-Jones. And if I feel like if we haven't spoken about her enough since 2019, um, I know, Sim, you and I had the the amazing pleasure to meet Nicole right before um, uh, Project 1619 dropped during the 2019, during the last live can event that existed. Um, so back in 2019, we had the pleasure of meeting Nicole Hannah-Jones um, while uh, while we were ratchet and ruthless along the um, the, the Quasette 
or, or as I call it, the French boardwalk in Cannes. Um, and she overall is just an amazing, brilliant person. Um, so if you have not had uh, the chance to take a look at the news, look at your Twitter, um, get a CNN push notification, um, uh, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones was um, approached by her her um, alma mater, uh, I believe from her master's program, uh, UNC, um, about um, being the night chair or becoming their their night chair for journalism and race, I believe it is, um, and uh, uh, being granted tenure. Um, and she was with the shits. You know, she talks about her time. At UNC, she talks about loving, you know, Tar Heels growing up and then eventually being accepted as a Tar Heel and then continuing uh, um, experiencing her master's program there and, you know, her time there being the basis for for what's come to be this amazing career as a McCarthy genius, uh, McCarthy genius and and all these other accolades that she's um, received um, only for the board of trustees to to. And we got to call a spade a fucking spade in this. To be the most blatant, visible, purposeful representation of white supremacy. Um, And we're not, and say, hey girl, uh, we know folk came out here and asked you uh, if you would consider coming here uh, under tenure, but we're not going to give you tenure. Um, and we're not going to tell you why, but what we will do is offer you a, a, a five-year contract, and we'll see how we feel in five years. So, like, still do the job, but, like, not forever until we decide we want it to be forever. That's how I would interpret it, because, um, you know, you have to run things through your mind for it to settle. That's how I've settled on it. And and quite frankly, that was the, that was the bullshit. The, that was the, the bullshit, the audacity of it all. Well, I mean, they literally... Uh, there's we, we have another way of saying, but they literally changed the rules <laughs> in all the game, right? So they 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 moved the goalposts, if you will, in the middle of the game, and it was it was bullshit. Um, and I think we often this whole entire situation. I think there are a lot of parallels with mm-hmm. situations that we experience in advertising yep. uh, or or any of these industries where you work extremely hard to get what you deserve and somebody comes in and at the last minute and go, well, we don't know. <laughs> right. But, but not even just work hard in that sense, but it's like to work hard to play by your rules. Right. right? So the, um, the night chair um, is, is basically a working professional who also, you know, your, your, your side slash full-time other full-time gig is to actually be a professor. So yeah, still go out in the world and do your thing. But like, also we need you here to do a couple of seminars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the people who, all of the people, I believe they said since the 1980s that have received that honor, um, Mm -hmm. and have been granted tenure, um, have all been people with, um, tons of awards who have all been uh, 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 um, uh, who have all been lauded like they they all have the same qualifications and the same kind of resume as Nicole Hannah Jones um 
But here's here's where spite comes, right? Spite comes, and this is why I brought up white supremacy, not just for the sake of bringing up white supremacy. The way the reports have gone is that essentially one of the donors, let me see if I can open up my um, notes, but one of the donors um, and, and also alum of um, UNC basically campaigned against her behind her back. So while she was um, unanimously recommended by the faculty, mm. um, and you know, it was up for discussion with the board of trustees, you had, we'll call him Daddy Warbucks for now because I can't find his name, but if I see a picture, I feel like Kiki Palmer right now is a, wouldn't know a thing, right? Um, but we'll call him Daddy Warbucks. Rich white man comes in and he basically doesn't agree with uh, her research around the 1619 Project. And I guess if you've benefited from white supremacy and patriarchy your whole life, it's easy to be like, nah, son, that it shit don't exist. Slavery wasn't all that bad. Slavery... You, Look at all the great things we got from slavery. All these black people learning to work. We got all these new companies, you know, and it only lasted a couple of years. Mm. He really just like vehemently disregards all of her research and starts a silent campaign to the trustees to say, hey, we, uh, we, and by we, I mean my money and you cannot grant her tenure because it's going to be a bad look for UNC. Mm. And so money talks, uh, bullshit continues to walk. And that is why she was not, we come to find out that is uh, why she was not granted tenure. And so the long story short is um, at first, I believe she accepted the terms mm -hmm. under, under a sense of confusion, which I think a lot of us do, right? When some bullshit happens, you're kind of like, this feels weird. Mm. I don't know what it is, but I yep. guess five years isn't bad maybe I'm not as great as I thought I was. Maybe mm. I'm not a genius the way the grant said I was, but whatever, you know, I'll figure it out. Um, until the people around her uh, on Twitter and beyond had to be like, hey, sis, that's some bullshit. Let's mm. do some digging and find out at which once the truth started to come to light, as it always does, sis had to pull together a whole legal team. Mm. And the legal team basically said, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. UNC and them, um, you and your money need to go back and reconsider because based on the qualifications and who has been granted tenure before, this looks like pure discrimination. Mm. To which, of course, that's not how UNC wants to go down in history. So what do they do? They wait till the final hour of the last minute of the last second to be like, okay, psych, we just playing. You can have some tenure, girl, to which Nicole Hannah-Jones and her fly-ass red hair and her fly-ass, just fly-ass genius self said, um, cool, that's what I thought, <laughs> but never mind. I'm taking my fucking talents to the South Beach of HBCUs, the illustrious, the magnificent, the mecca, Howard University, H-U-U-N-O, and I believe there was a silent kiss my ass on the end of that. Yeah, and that that was the ultimate, ultimate never mind, I'm good move. I'm good. It, it's, and there's so many, 
reasons why when I was following this story, we get to the end of it, that I just started slow punching the air in like just the most celebratory way because one, very few of us come out on the other side of these situations with uh, a positive outcome that looks like this, uh, where you're able to basically throw them the middle finger um, and keep it moving. And I think for, for me, it was watching this was kind of triggering because when you talk about the campaigning, uh, oftentimes when when we people of color, more specifically black people, are in predominantly white spaces and somebody decides that they don't like us, there is a campaign to get you fired. It's and, very and, strategic. And and here's the thing, people will I'm getting angry because I can recount times from even as a as as a little girl, like elementary school age, where like these are things in conversations that actually happen. And people will look you in your face, both the people at the table having these conversations and the people who are listening to explain it and be like, that's not what happened. Why would somebody do that? That's not, no one's campaigning against you, y'all. This is literally what every black person who has ever tried to climb a ladder or attain some, some level of success in a, in a white dominated world has experienced. Yes. Hers yes. just came to light. Thank God for some good journalism. I mean, and, it, and, and your ancestors. Thank God for good journalism yeah, and your ancestors. It, it just it just so happened that the receipts were the receipts and the receipts were clear as day. Um, and so there there are so many parallels. So if you if if you're listening, like that was that was the thing that I took away. I was like, oh shit, I've actually lived through the campaign at least a good three times in my career mm-hmm. where people are strategically moving to discount you to discount you yeah move you to say that replace you to say that you're only getting it because you're black because you spark controversy because what the fuck ever and and when you call it out it's it's a similar response that no this is no you're 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 crazy you're crazy what's happening you're crazy right and so i i appreciate the outcome of this because i've also got to a never mind I'm good place <laughs> right because it it sometimes when it takes so much work to get what you deserve the base of what you deserve which is fairness and equality if I have to and and I I often conflicted with with DEI because why do I have to ask you for something that my white counterpart gets Damn near automatically, <laughs> right? For so, something that should have automatic at automatically yes. been granted to me if yes. we followed the same formula. Fairness, 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 right? So, and also getting to a place of, well, Simi, we gave you what you asked for, but then at that point you're drained. You're right. mentally, you're physically, you're spiritually drained, and you have to think about the fact that now I have to. Ex- coexist with these people who Listen, I know do not see me and value me. Value you don't even. Me. You don't even like me. You don't like why me. Why are we? Why are we doing? <laughs> you don't like me. Who don't like you me? Don't like me. So let like, me let me read this quote because what you're saying, and I want to read her words. Like 
y'all don't understand. Simeon and I both like fell in love with this woman when we met her in Cannes. She is one of the dopest, coolest, smoothest, smartest, most amazing people you can ever meet. And also not boastful at all. Like, I think at one point we just thought she was one of us. What agency you work at, girl? I haven't seen you. What agency you at? It was, it was on some show like that, but she's super fucking dope. But she says this in her own words um, in the statement that she released. Uh, she says, I cannot imagine working at and advancing a school named for a man who lobbied against me, who used his wealth to influence the hires and ideology of the journalism school, who ignored my 20 years of journalism experience and all my credentials, all of my work, because he believed that a project that centered Black Americans equaled the denigration of white Americans. Nor can I walk at an institution whose leadership permitted this conduct and has done nothing to disavow it. If we liken this to what we're talking about in advertising, this is the difference between mm -hmm. the agencies that signed on to um, that signed on to Three's a Crowd's uh, 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 um, pledge, pledge mm -hmm. and those that dropped out. Those are the agencies who have done nothing to disavow the disrespect. Right. She goes on to say, how can I believe I'd be able to exert academic freedom with the school's largest donor so willing to dis disparage me publicly and attempt to pull the strings behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. Why would I want to teach at a university whose top leadership chose to remain silent, to refuse transparency, to fail to publicly advocate that I be treated like every other night chair before me. Mm. Listen, you know, I'll go it's like, it's like, I could, she keeps saying these things. Like I keep getting triggered because yes, yeah, I've been there. And, and you know what? Somebody's auntie, somebody's mama, somebody's grandma has said a million times before the way it starts is the, is the way, way it ends. It's going to end. And you they actually said you keep them how you found them. And they're talking about men. <laughs> yeah, same thing. So like, <laughs> like, if it starts that way, you know that you're, you're walking into an uphill battle. Why is it worth it? And I think we, for a lot of what is, a lot of what, it, a lot of the discussion that is centered around employment right now and talking about self-care is about this right here. If you value self-care, if you value your, your mental health and your, your potential employer is already, is a, from the beginning of your relationship, is uh, dragging you through the mud, why the hell would you want to work there? And so what I took away from this situation is so many of us, especially Black people, people of color, women, uh, know these stories about these agencies. Yeah, We know that they're not shit. <laughs> we know what they did to our... To the cold crush. <laughs> to the cold crush. And people who share identities with us. And yet, we still continue to give them our genius. Listen. And so I took away from this, which is it's community over everything. This has set the precedent for what it looks like when you rally with your community over everything. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, she chose to take her talents to a place where she would be valued. 
because it was built to value black people and people who were underrepresented. So I took away from this where I was just like, "Hmm." for all you people (laughs) who keep trying to fit a round peg in a square hole and banging your head up against the wall, hoping for a different outcome. Take your talents where you're wanted. Go where you're wanted, not where you're tolerated. Follow your tribe. A a woman on the street told me that one day, and I ain't seen her since, but it stayed in my head. And and I think it's definitely been a a way, a, a guiding way for me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll finish off with one last quote from her before we move on. Um, and, and if you, if y'all don't know, now, you know, I'm a proud alum of how, of the illustrious, the amazing, the magnificent, the Mecca, the, the Howard, the Howard University. Um, and I'm also a product of the School of Communications, which at the time was the John H. John H. Johnson School of Communications, um, now named after Kathy Hughes, where uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones will be um, a, night, uh, a, a night chair uh, for them. Um, but she says, historically, Black colleges and universities have long punched above their weight, producing a disproportionate number of Black professionals while working with disproportionately low resources. It is my great honor to help usher to this storied institution these significant resources that will help support uh, the Kathy Hughes School of Communications. Mm-hmm. It's so true, y'all. It's so true. Like, I remember, I remember being accepted to Howard and many people discouraged me, tried to discourage me from going because of the lack of resources. But I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, it is one of the best experiences I've ever had because it's forced me to do the most with very little, mm-hmm. oftentimes with, very, with little support from, from people who don't understand why that's an institution I would want to be associated with often from little resources of my own, because I did not come from, many of my peers did not come from wealthy families. Um, And also lack of resources because the school, HBCUs, even a Howard University that, that, you know, we famous, um, also have a lot less resources than our peered predominantly white institutions. And I appreciate that in Nicole Hannah-Jones's position, she said, you know, she's worked very hard to fit into these white institutions because you are told if you do all of the right things, you you will be accepted and you will be rewarded only to be backstabbed that only only institutions like an HBCU, that's where you go to become whole again. That's where you go find yourself again. That's where you learn how to love, not only love yourself and your people, but learn how to be loved again. Um, I, I would say I definitely got that being at Howard is I learned how to be loved by my people um, and that I could compete with any anybody, put them in the ring. That's who I want. Um, and so I am saddened that I am no longer of, of uh, undergrad age to be, you know, a student of hers, but super happy for everyone that touches the hallowed grounds of the yard uh, uh, to, of the quadrant quadrangle um and who gets to learn from nicole hannah jones and also ta-nehisi coates who will also be joining um her as as um as a as a professor on campus or as a staff on campus so shout out to howard as usual homecoming is going to be lit this year whether they homecoming or not um and shout out to nicole hannah jones for for knowing her worth 
and continuing to be a light and a beacon and an example for those of us who are experiencing the fuckery that is white supremacy and patriarchy. And can, can we also just say, like, one thing that I take away from her is, and you kind of touched on it too, uh, and it's also a reminder of some things I'm going through, uh, about mm-hmm. taking your talents and bringing them to your people. We have made a lot of white institutions very, very, very rich. And very rich. They have turned around and they discriminated against us. And when I say institutions, I mean agencies. So, so I, I think that there's something to be said about multicultural agencies and the impact that they've had on this agency, on this industry. Uh, I was having a conversation with the OG a few months ago and he talked about the the level of talent and the and the amount of talent that uh, black agent black owned agencies from the sixties and seventies and eighties molded and honed uh, and and a lot of those people took their talents to the big agencies only to be used and abused. Yep. So I, I think there's some there's so many great parallels uh, and lessons to be to be learned in. Uh, this story with Nicole Hannah Jones. Uh, and I'm, I'm just gonna say, like, take your talents where? Go where you're wanted. Go where you're wanted. Go where the vibes are right. Um, I mean, I, I could I could sit here and advocate for everybody to, you know, retention. I know that's what folks are crying for um, at every agency, but- Retention is cute. Retention, retention only comes with respect, quite, quite honestly. And, and respect looks very different to every generation and very different to different communities. And so um, don't, let, don't let people campaign behind your back and then expect you to stay. Mm. stay. Stay at a place where you know you are respected, where you know you are invested in, where you know that genuinely people want to see you grow. Also, don't take offers from places that don't treat you like the king, queen, uh, 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 um, person in charge that you are because how you keep how you get them is how you keep them and and if you learn nothing else from this story it's that it's to value yourself value the people that value you and don't take no bullshit from nobody that's out here like talking shit behind your back word uh, so we, we like to drop quotables and you just drop the best one ever retention requires respect it does yeah. retention that's it um, thank you for writing that down. You know, I forget it. You know, you know that the spirit just be speaking I, through me I wrote, and I be forgetting. I wrote it down. It was thank an aha you. moment. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to our last topic. Uh, thank you guys that uh, are sticking through us. We're, we're, you know, we're almost done. Um, but couldn't, couldn't end this episode without talking about something that um, really, really caught the attention of so many people on Twitter over the last couple of days. Um and so for those of you that thought the pandemic was going to take out um, uh, sexual harassment, bias, prejudice, sexism, and all of that, you're wrong. Um, this was not the great flood of the Old Testament with Noah. Um, in fact, it has definitely uh, uh, sparked a lot of people to be triggered um, and to start to share their stories. And so um, I want to give a shout out, but also have a conversation about um, a blog post that we both came um, or that came across our Twitter screens the other day called Mad Men Furious Women. 
Um, and this is by Zoe. I'm going to say your name wrong. Um, and I, I apologize, but I think it's, it's Zoe's Scamman, 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 Scamman. I'm terrible. And it, Zoe, if you're listening, not we're not trying to disrespect you. By all means, send us the pronunciation. Um, we do want to respect you, but it's from Zoe. Zoe has a, a blog called Musings of a Wandering Mind, and Zoe posted a, a, a post called Mad Men Furious Women. And very similarly to my Why I Quit My Job post back in 2018, Zoe outlines all of the moments of fuckery that she has experienced within the advertising world. Um, her post starts off uh, saying, far from dissipating over the last decade, misogyny in the ad industry has simply mutated into something insidious, invisible, lurking in the shadows. It's time to fire up the floodlights. Um, and throughout the piece, uh, she added in quotes from women who were also brave enough to come forward and share those stories with her. Um, I'll share a couple of her personal anecdotes, um, since this is her blog, um, rather um, rather than sharing other people's, because I don't want to I don't want to disrespect other folks, but Zoe shares, she started out in the industry in eight, at 18, um, super young, my goodness. Um, and, you know, by the time she was 24, she was sexually assault, assaulted by a boss after he followed her into a toilet cubicle on a night out. Um, she talks about being 28 and when she was interviewed at an agency and was told in the meeting that they were disappointed that she didn't protect, um, possess more maternal energy and that uh, that they were looking for for her team. Um, she goes on to talk about in her 30s, um, uh, and when she turned 30, she'd been freelancing at an agency for a week and the CEO walked up to her, uh, walked up to her desk with a light bulb and suggested she try fitting it in her mouth. Um, and when she declined, he laughed and said, he sure, uh, he was sure I'd gagged on worse. Uh, when she was, Jesus Christ, guys. Um, when she was 32, she was subjected to over a year of psycho psychological torment working under a man whose self-adulation required him to bully and belittle others in order to maintain his own perception of himself. Um, uh, and now at 36, she's built up uh, a profile on Twitter. Um, uh, and uh, on Twitter uh, with her daily sojourns on the platform, where her daily sojourns on the platform bring a healthy dose of reply guys and mansplaining, but also unsolicited advance advances, dick pics, rape threats, and occasionally threats on her life. See what happens when you're a woman with a voice? That's mm -hmm. why they took Ariel's voice in The Little Mermaid. You know that, right? Because a woman with a voice is dangerous and we can't have that. Um, Zoe... I hope she knows if, if you know, if people didn't uh, respond directly, I know they did, but if enough people um, didn't communicate this, I hope, you know, you are seen, you are heard, you are understood and girl, you are felt. Um, Y'all it's a, it's just a lot of shitty people in this industry. Not everybody is shitty, but it's a lot of shitty people that get that advance into positions of power that, you, when you don't change the system, going back to where we started, um, when when you don't change the system, uh, and instead you try to change people's minds about sexual harassment and their minds about prejudice, um, 
you make way for the continuation of the fuckery to to persist. Yes. It's not about guy. Like I cannot tell people like I do not care if you want to be sexist. I don't care if you want to be racist. Go be your best racist sexist ass self. And I mean that. I mean that. I mean that. I mean that. I want you to choke on it. Go do that cuz that is between you, your god and your therapist. Right? Whatever you do in your mind and your sick mind that relies on evil to sustain, go do that. But it's our job in this industry. It is our it is it is our job to put the barriers in place where assholes who tell you or who like who told me we need to have a, a meeting in this small coat closet, hint, hint, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Or assholes who say you should put a light bulb in your mouth. Or assholes who, in my situation, look at you and call you titties at work. Where you can't do that anymore. Where you where, where you lose your livelihood. You know how you you know how you 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 take privileges away from your kids when you punish them? The only privilege that people really feel in this country of ours, in this industry of ours even, is money. The only way we win is when you take people's money and their livelihoods. May we never forget the Lord's work that was done. Uh, uh, damn it. Why is, why, why is it losing me? By uh, Diet Madison Avenue. They did the Lord's work, y'all. People didn't start losing jobs until names were called, situations were unveiled, and people were put on blast. Right. You can continue being a sexist out there you can continue being prejudiced out there in here this is how the rules are supposed to work mm-hmm. um and so it was quite triggering to read zoe's um post uh it reminded me put me in places of, of my own situations um and it's sad to know that i'm sure there will be other posts like this that come to light that continue to come to light like i said mine was 2018 i know lisa leon wrote one a a few years before mine and and countless people have wrote their own um have documented their own experiences and in advertising that are very similar but like y'all can be mean but y'all can actually just go be mean in hell like Mm -hmm. i'm not interested in changing your mind i'm interested i'm interested in watching you suffer because you broke now that's what i want to see there is a lot to unpack here. Um, and it is, there's a lot to unpack, but it's also expected. Right. Uh, said many times before, a lot mm-hmm. of men and shit. <laughs> uh, and I know this because I'm in, I'm in, I, I roll in circles with dudes. Um, and when I say it's unexpected, and, and you know, when we talk about needing systemic change, it it also involves this, right? Because with within the last couple of days, Bill Cosby got out of jail, and wow. there were dudes who were celebrating. Yes, that, uh, the Messiah has come home. That and admitted. <laughs> rapists. <laughs> admitted, y'all. Admitted he told he said he did what he did. He just didn't uh, think it was wrong. Was 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 out of jail. And so again, I think at this point in time, uh, when 
all the writings have been on the wall. The ads have been on the ad screens. The, the tweets have been tweeted. And those of us who are, I don't want to say the keepers of culture, but the, the extremely knowledgeable about culture, mm-hmm. ignore these things. I wish you the worst. I wish you the worst. I do. When I really you, do. Listen, when you do your worst, I, I wish you the worst. Um, these are words on a paper or words on a screen, if you will. Um, and so, like, they're written, I don't want to say casually, but they're just written so matter-of-factly that I think a lot of the the physical and emotional trauma of what she's describing get lost a little bit and they are not as impactful as as I think they could be for some dudes but ultimately like somebody locks you in a in in a small space and sexually assaults you that is fair so unless you unless you've experienced fair and there are a lot of dudes who haven't because that is what male privilege uh, affords you is the not having to worry about your safety in certain spaces. Yep. Read it, read it and read it again and read it again and read it again and read it again until it sinks into the depths of your soul that that is not who you want to be. And if you want to be it, then I think you should accept the consequences Absolutely. of actions. And that, that means that you don't you shouldn't get to eat here. You shouldn't. You absolutely shouldn't. And like, here's the thing. It doesn't go away until you burn it the fuck down. Like it has to be a whole new system. And so all of these people who are who who want to pacify and be the friend and be the good guy. And, you know, he's not, he wasn't that bad to everybody. He he never treated me like that. He never treated me like that. She never treated me like that. They never did that to me. You know, take your own selfish yep. ass just because you get the because you get the, the the benefits of the devil doesn't mean the devil is still not dangerous. I mean, okay, like that, like like that is the thing, and I think that like I, from what I've heard, from what I've read, um, Zoe got a well. She says it in here. It's a lot of people that 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 go back and forth with her, and for whatever reason if your reason for going back and forth with her about this negatively is because you either don't think it's that bad or she couldn't take a joke, think about it this way. A joke is only funny if I'm laughing with you. Ain't that the truth? Not if I feel like you and whoever else that doesn't feel my pain is laughing at me. And so it's not fucking funny. Then then you don't know how to tell a joke. Yeah. And, you know, one one thing, too, that, that I took away from reading her situation is some of those instances violations assaults happen in private but there are also situations that happen in group settings and so when we talk about systems needing to be changed a whole lot of y'all not gonna make it (laughs) because a whole lot of y'all ain't shit uh and some of y'all are women just fyi um misogyny and sexism don't work without complicity from from some of y'all uh and so i think everybody needs to read it and reread it and reread it and reread it again to build up the the confidence if you will in some cases to make sure that when these things happen around you you could look somebody dead in the eye 
and say you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Own it. And own it. <laughs> and, and not back down. Because a lot of us, uh, and I'll, I'll say us because there are moments, there have been moments where you look at the situation and you go, well, damn, I'm outnumbered and I don't want to be the person to, to call it out. But ultimately, who gives a fuck? Listen. These are not people who you want to hang out with. These are not people... Jobs are jobs. And again, to Kai's point, retention requires respect. It requires respect. If you feel like you calling out the right thing or asking for the right thing is going to generate disrespect, that is not an environment for you. Yep. Keep it fucking moving. Go where you are wanted. Go where you are wanted. Follow your tribe. Go where you are wanted. Um, and for some of y'all, that means some of y'all need to go to hell. And and I said what I said. I, I said what I said. Like I, I'm no, telling you, it's a lot of assholes. It's a lot of assholes I've encountered no. in my career. And I'm just like, you need to go where you are wanted as well. Yes, the devil sit. is calling. Sit in your whatever. Sit in your filth. Misery is calling. Karma is calling, baby. Karma is calling. The streets of karma are calling. You know what? Like, also, if what we're saying makes you feel uncomfortable, we're talking to you. Yeah, it is. If it, if it, if it, if it stirred a little irritation, like I, like I continue to tell people, you know where I'm at. You can come see me. Literally, the 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 streets are back open now. You know where to come see me, and 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 we can have a conversation. But like, we're talking to you. And you, and you know what? And those are the moments, and I and I say this from personal experience of specifically when it comes to gender gender issues, where there have been women that I know who told me stories, and I feel ooh, ooh that little pain in your stomach, <laughs> like mm-hmm. ooh, shit. oh wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. and you have a choice in that moment to either continue down the road of being not shit, or to make an about face and do better. Yeah. So. It's like when you're in church and the pre- and preacher says, you feel that? Come to the altar. This right. is your altar call. This and is the altar call. When you get called out, and you will. And you will. Tomorrow, may not have it next week. It but could happen you- 20 years down the road and ruin your whole career. You never know. <laughs> you never know. It is, it is, it is just that simple. So... I, I just say, like, if, if you're feeling something in your stomach, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of how you identify, do better. Yeah. Do better. Yeah. And so we'll go ahead and close on that note. Sim, it's been good to recap with you. A lot of shit is going on. It's also a lot of stuff we ain't talk about. Um, God. I feel, honestly, January feels like it was yesterday. Because it was. <laughs> so. Because it was. There's, there's hella shit that's happened that I probably won't remember until somebody goes, yeah, that happened. Um, but yeah, you know, stay safe, y'all. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. We started this podcast maybe six years ago now. Child, I don't know what year it is. Um, but when we started the podcast six years ago, we started talking about sexual harassment um, specifically at the time, I believe that was occurring at um, JWT, which has since merged and has new leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's crazy because the shit that the women were um, accounting in their stories back in 2016 when we began, mm-hmm. it's 2021. It's 2021. It's 2021. 
That's all like that's all I got. It's 2021. So all these people saying we're doing better. Some of you, some, some people are. Many of you are not. And that's something to reflect upon. So with that being said, you already know Mixed Company Podcast. Sim, it's been good catching up with you. Listeners, it's been great get, get gathering your ears again. Um, and yeah, we will come back to you with another episode. Uh, as soon as we we, you know, we let the news cycle do its thing and we've got some things to share, we'll come back and we look forward to kicking it with you. Uh, as always, you can find us on all the places where you find your podcasts, and you can follow us on social media at Ask Mix Company. Uh, and also you can check out our website, um, at mixedcompanypodcast.com. Peace out. Have a good, a good one. Ready, y'all.